And I started remembering some of those moves, you know. Praise the Lord. It's Thanksgiving Sunday. Thanksgiving Sunday. Praise the Lord. Have you welcomed the person sitting next to you? You sure you have? Well, now I'd like you to do something. Just turn to that person and smile. You see, I can see some people are laughing. The word is smile, not laugh. Praise the Lord. Well, huge greetings from Apostle and Reverend Omar from God's own country. You know, I need to, I need to dial the right numbers this morning because I get the impression that there are a few who would like me to say God's own country. Especially for us who are foreigners to that land. Praise the Lord. So Apostle and Reverend Omar send their love. They, they're having a wonderful, a wonderful time. They're missing us. They would rather be with us on Thanksgiving Sunday, but duty calls. Praise the Lord. You know, we need to start getting used to this. Because there will be times in the year when unavoidably they would not be with us. On a day such as this, Apostle and Reverend Omar try to always make sure in their diary on Thanksgiving Sunday and on Overcomers they're here, but once in a while those things don't just quite work out because of the demands that are placed on them from our other brethren. And we are not selfish, are we, church? So we like to share. Because actually it is by sharing that you actually increase See, more often than not, at times we hold on to things that we should share. And someone put it this way once I heard it said that the reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it receives, it doesn't give out. So it becomes dead because it receives and doesn't give. So if if you're a channel of blessing to others... Blessings would not cease in your camp. Just think about that. Because it is in giving, it is in sharing that which you have. That's why we're encouraged often to share Christ with others. The love of Christ with others. Wear a smile on your face. I know commuting at times could be a bit of a huge task. Especially those that commute. It's not easy to smile in a packed tube in the morning. Especially when the person you're standing on is uh, standing next to you just, just stood on your feet or your toe. You kind of like feel like having a go. But please wear a smile. I always, I've, I've shared this before. I always find it amusing. One of the great times is if, when I'm commuting. Oh, I, I've changed a bit of a tax now. I, I've decided to, do, to put in some exercise rather than... Um, rather than jump on the tube in the morning. I normally go into Victoria, and at times it takes a better part of 15 minutes to get onto the tube, and when you get in there, you're squeezing in. So I decided that actually it's no more than about 20 minutes, 30 minutes walk from it. So I walk, and I'm fitter for it. But that's not the point. The point is that when you do get onto the tube, you find all sort of characters. And the best way you can start your day is by wearing a smile. 
Think about that next time you get to a packed tube. Don't frown, smile. People will wonder. What, one day someone would ask you why, you, why are you smiling? Just tell them, Jesus makes the difference. Praise the Lord. Well, that's not the sermon this morning, but as you know me, I sort of like give some opening gambits and some opening slurs. And if I, if I seem like I'm not staying on track, those that have come from Bethesda, they, they know how to stick with me. Those who are new to me at Cathedral, please stay in tune. Just follow me. We're, we're getting somewhere. We're going somewhere. We'll get there. And just don't, don't get distracted because I always say if you focus on distraction, you, you lose your way. Don't get distracted. At times I might go on a different tangent depending on how the Lord leads me. But you can be assured that it's for someone in here. Someone is getting something out of it. It might not link with what you have in mind, but not to worry. Stick with me. Okay? I'm also conscious that it's not very warm in here today, so I won't let you lose me either. I wouldn't lose you. I'll try not to lose you. This month is a month of fulfillment. I was looking through the dictionary and trying to identify what the word fulfillment is. And it's an achievement of something desired, promised, or predicted. That's a dictionary meaning. It also could mean meeting a requirement. But in order for us to have fulfillment, we need to have confidence in the God that promises. So this morning, I'm sharing with us very briefly confidence in God. Apostle has been teaching us about trust and what? And confidence. Or he put it this way. He said something about faith. Is a complete trust and belief. And believe, he said, is act, accepting that something is true. And I believe that was in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. If I'm correct, that's verse 7, or is it 17? One of the two. But confidence in God matters for us to re- attain fulfillment. If we're not fulfilled, we need to ask ourselves, why? What's going on? If I've not achieved what, I, what, what this month is, because our key text in this month is the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8. What does that say? Sorry, I think that Hebrews would have been 17. Am I correct? Who said this? Isaiah 55, 8, anyway. For your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So go on. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes up from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but would accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So that's our key scripture for this month, 5511. So is God's word that proceeds out of God's mouth. It would not return to him empty, but would accomplish what he desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. 
I don't know how many people have read it that way in the course of this month. Because at times, you might have been reading it in the first person. I'm thinking of yourself as being the one who's saying the word. Do you follow me? See, if you read it and say, so is my word, and you think about you being the author and the origin of the word, it kind of loses its significance. But if you read it, as so is the word of the Lord that proceeds out of his mouth. Or indeed, putting it in a slightly different way in this house, in Christ's tabernacle, so is the word of God that God speaks to me through his servant, Apostle A.T.B. Williams. Because when you recognize, or when we recognize, that the word he declares are not his own words. I don't know if you know this. Some may do, some may not. When apostle ministers, he goes back and he listens to himself. I don't know if you know this. Because at times, I'm with apostle and he's listening, said, he'll, he'll pause it, he'll stop it, he'll rewind it. What was that? You would have thought that he said it and he, he must know every time and plan and pre-plan. But I've been with Apostle when he would stop it, it would pause, he listen to what he said. Almost like in the third person because he's being ministered unto himself by the things that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Praise the Lord. Uh, you need to be mindful of that. I mean, it, 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 when, when I first noticed that, it was kind of like, it, it took me kind of aback. I'm talking of years ago, but I, hold on. Hey, what's going on here? Well, it was then I began to understand that the word that proceeds out of his mouth. We were here last week when Reverend Oyebade was sharing a testimony about for the first time a woman at her age, she, at that age, she had not known or asked where she was born. She had taken it for granted that she was born in a hospital. And the man of God was ministering and said, you are born in Mission House. And she kind of said to herself, uh, Apostle, I think you got it wrong. Holy Spirit, minister to him, speak to him. My mother is here. She's going to lose faith in you, the man of God. She's going to say, ah, that, your man of God, your father is a liar. You can imagine what it was in, my, in her mind at that time. You can imagine what was in her mind, thinking, help, I've shared with my mother that this man is a man of God. And you can imagine what was going through her mind. Saying, Mission House, Lord, correct him quickly, let him change it. And he looked, she looked at her mother, and her mother was smiling. She was kind of like wondering, what's going on here? It wasn't until afterwards that she realized when her mother said, yes, you were born in a mission house. What? So you can imagine. And when she shared it last week, it was mind-blowing as well. It makes us to understand that when God says to us in this house that this is a month of fulfillment, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. God said it. 
I believe it. That settles it. I know the choir take us in that song from time to time, but it matters. If God says it, you've got to believe it. And you've got to believe as well that it is settled. It is settled. The circumstances around you might suggest it's not settled, but it is settled. You have, you need to have confidence in God. For with Him, nothing is impossible. For with Him, nothing is impossible. We have gotten to the point in our walk in this house that we need to believe God for ourselves. In order to achieve and to attain what God wants for us, we need to believe God. I I, I know it's easier for individuals following experience. One of the reasons we have Overcomers Night in Christ's Faith Tabernacle is such that we could share with each other what God has done. Because that way... It encourages those who are in the journey, or who are on the journey. The idea of testimonies is that because God has said it, and he has done it for others, there's the assurance that he will do it for you. There's the assurance that he will do it for you. Why? Because God is not a partial God. And it might feel to you like, why are things not working out for me? And this is where we need to be careful. Because there's one master tricker or trickster. He's called a crafty being. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. He's done it time and time again. He never changes his technique. It's interesting, isn't it? The trick and the technique is the same all the time, and it keeps catching us out. And I use the word us, as in royal us. Because you that are listening to me, you know from time to time you have the opportunity to doubt. And doubt is a seed that the enemy sows in the mind to ensure that you begin to question what God says concerning you. Because if the enemy can get you to doubt, you've lost focus. Peter doubted when he was called to walk on water. He first said to Jesus, Master, if it's you, bid me, come. Jesus said, yes, come. And Peter started to walk on water. Then it suddenly occurred to him that he was walking on water. Why? He took his eyes off Jesus. He started to look at the waves. And when the waves were coming around, he was thinking, this is impossible. That's what went on in Peter's mind. This is impossible. I cannot be walking on water. I cannot be walking on water. And he started to sink. I've got good news for you. Peter, a seasoned fisherman, did not try to swim. Have you pondered on that? He did not try to swim. When he started to sink, he called on Jesus. 
he called on Jesus. When doubt comes, you need to call on Jesus. When doubt sets in, you need to call on Jesus. Because of the truth, doubt will set in. I use this example from time to time. I heard it a long time ago. You cannot stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your head. And you might not be as follically challenged as I, but that's okay. Okay, you missed that. It's okay. But faith is complete trust and believe that God said it, you believe it, and that settles it. An assurance is a positive declaration that is intended to give you confidence. Do you have assurance in God that what he says is true? And the faith or the assurance of faith is dependent on your trust in God. Your trust in God, not someone else's trust. That's why it's impossible for, I mean, I, I know sometimes we ride on it. The man of God speaks to your life and it comes to pass. The reason it usually does is because you have faith that he's a man of God. And that what he has spoken in God comes to pass. Because if you doubt, that's why the woman with the issue of blood, all she needed to do was to touch the hem of his garment. And our life changed. Because she said, I am not even worthy. If I could touch the hem of his garment. She had faith. Jairus was there rubbing shoulders with Jesus. Nothing happened until Jesus went and spoke. Now, hey, we're all at different places. I'm not here condemning Jairus. Actually, that gave us an example because all things that are written in Scripture are written as examples unto us so that we know there's nothing new under the sun. And we know there are different people at different places. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 7, if you turn with me in your Bibles, please. Book of 1 Kings chapter 7. The account preceding this was that there was a famine in the land of Israel. And there was serious confusion. If you go back home, please read chapter 6 from verse 30 to the end. It sets the context of calamity, problem, issues in the land of Israel. So much so that the king said, well, there is a man of God. His name is called Elisha. Send for him. Because he's the reason why we've got this problem. The the king decided that Elisha was the reason for the problem. Because Elisha had spoken that there would be famine in the land. Now there's famine in the land. Elisha, see what you've done. You've created a problem for me. So much so that the account before that indicated that people were beginning to become, they were becoming cannibals. So Elisha said in verse verse 1 of chapter 7, Hear the word of the Lord, this is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow. Sorry, am I reading the same thing? Second Kings, sorry. Not First Kings, Second Kings. 
I just looked up and I sort of thought, help. Second Kings. Okay. Are you with me now? Apologies for the misquoting of first. So in chapter 1, uh, chapter verse 1 of Second Kings, Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A share of flour will sell for a shekel and two shares of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Verse 2 says, The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? What was that message? It was a message of doubt, a seed of doubt. What was amazing about this is preceding this verse, everyone knew in the land of Israel that Elisha had said and declared there will be famine. You know that. So this officer knew that Elisha declared this and it came to pass. So when Elisha then said, by this time tomorrow, there will be plenty, there will be abundance in this land. He doubted it and wanted to sow in the heart of everyone else the spirit of doubt. And that's why the declaration that Elisha said was instant. He said, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. Now that's serious, because that came to pass. But what was remarkable about this account was what happened in verse 4. Or verse 3, rather. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. Now this is the one that amazes me. In this account, what amazes me the most is there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. These men were at the entrance of the city gate because lepers were not allowed in the land. They were outcasts. So when things and you seem like insignificant, the Lord uses the insignificance to turn things around. Ah. So you might consider yourself today that just poor old me. Change that language because God uses poor old me. He reaches to you at your state, whatever state you're in. He's not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he will change his mind. Are you going through challenges at your workplace? You seem like you're insignificant. There are all sort of issues going around and you think you're the lowest of the low. I'm, I mean, they treat me now. God considers the insignificance. He can use you to turn around the fortunes of that organization, but you need to believe in him. Actually, most people were not born with a silver spoon in their mouths. Even those who, who inherit wealth, those that hold on to it, their parents usually make them go through the ranks to walk through from the shop floor 
to understand how the organization works. Otherwise, they lose respect of the staff, and when they become bosses, they don't know how to handle it, it whittles away. It is not surprising there are a few notable people who have got lots of money in their hands and have decided that actually they don't want to leave anything of any of such inheritance for their children. They want to spread it on philanthropy, sharing it, impact investing, giving it out. Because they've said, look, I've set up the business with my son, my daughter. They can do whatever they want. If they don't handle it, fine. That's left to them. Because I started from nothing. That's what they say. Whilst growing up, I had, uh, we, we had one motto in the house, in our house. Um, and my parents always said, education is the best legacy. So what we owe you is education, no inheritance. Praise the Lord. It's true. I'm not waiting for them to pass away for me to receive a will of an inheritance. No. Because they've invested in me by giving me the education I need. It's what you do with that education that matters because you need to stand on your own feet. And what we as parents owe our children is investing in their education. You can't, I mean, whatever it takes, ensure you invest in education. Now, it's rounded now. Please bear with me. I'm not talking about just sending a child off to school. Education is more than just sending a child off to school. There's more to it than that. It's called spending time. Ah, okay. Yeah, but that's what the teachers do. No, that's not what the teachers do. Find out what's going on with the children, your, your own children in school. Actually, if you don't find out what's going on, don't trust and entrust an education system to do it for you. Get involved. Ask questions. Find out how was school today. Listen to the answers you get. Probe. And not in a sort of like a lecture kind of way and make them feel, no, probe, ask who are their friends. So what happened? In a jovial way, spend time, have a five minutes, ten minutes, get involved, listen to what you, process what you hear. Decide what you want to do about what you're listening to. Where are they struggling? What's the challenge? Have they got a problem with it? Is a lecturer picking on them? Do you need to intervene? I'm not suggesting that you kind of like, you know, like those, um, I think it's uh, African, now pardon me, I'm, I'm allowed to do it. You know, they always talk about, um, you know, when people want, those African women that want to fight, they will kind of put, you know that, you know where I'm going, don't you? They're ready for a fight. Now I'm not saying take on that stance and go, because at times, more often than not, we take the wrong attitude when we're approaching the educational system. These teachers are struggling as well. They've got challenges. And your child is not the only child in the class they have to look after. It was alarming this week when I read something about five-year-olds having problems with mental health in terms of research. It's worrying. My question was, where are the parents? We've got absent parents. We've got insecure parents. The church, we've got a solution to this. But the question I ask is, 
If we don't have statistics within the church to find out that's not going on within us, do we take it for granted that our children are here in church? So, a number of people are lost in their own worlds. Mental health issue is a big problem. And some of it stems from lack of confidence. Some are being bullied by their friends and mates. Not everyone handles things that life throws at them the right way. You need to give the security. And don't, please don't talk down on your children. Ah, okay. You see, there was a, I'll give you this account. There was a man once who came in one day and saw his son, six-year-old boy, took out a, a belt and was whipping the dog, the family pet. And the man overheard the boy saying, I'll make a man out of you, you That's when the man changed his form of discipline. Because he knew what the child was doing was repeating what he was doing to the child. It's not about the rod. I'm not saying spare the rod, but it's not about the rod. Actually, get more done by conversation and communication. Where were we? Was that a blessing to someone this morning? I did say stick with me. Okay? Okay? But we're talking about this man that was leaning on the hand of Elisha, or the man, or the king. Praise the Lord. And when he was leaning, he doubted. And because of the doubt, Elisha did not forgive. He said, you would see, but you would not partake. And then the leprous men who were insignificant went out and they were saying to themselves, look, there's farming in the land. We're not allowed into the city. The enemies are outside. Okay, we know the... There's one solution. Despite the fact that there's famine in the land, the children of Israel will stone us to death if we dare venture into this city. And in any case, there's no food in the city. So, let's approach the enemy. For if we die, we were going to die anyway. It's interesting, isn't it? just decided enough if we're going to die why die in fear let's approach so they refused to stay and they decided at dusk in verse 5 they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans and when they reached the edge of the camp not a man was there For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses. Hallelujah. Lepers. I don't know if you know. I, I, I grew up a significant number of my years in the northern part of Nigeria. And there are several lepers who are generally beggars. For those who know the language, we call them Kuturu. 
most of the time leprosy had done away with their limbs, their fingers. And more often than not, they were dragging themselves. So, I don't know, the Bible doesn't describe how these lepers were. But I can safely, that's the picture I paint in my mind of a leper. Helpless, dragging. So these lepers were dragging themselves towards the camp of the enemy. And the God Almighty caused the enemy to hear the chariots and army, vast army. That's what God does when you act on belief. That's why Elisha could say, listen servant, there are more for us than those that are against us. Lord, open his eyes. What we need to do all the time is to say, Lord, open my eyes that I'll see what you have in store for me. Because more often than not, we close our eyes and we allow the enemy to sow the seed of doubt. Because the, the, the plan and the scheme of the enemy is to cause your eyes to lose focus on Jesus. That's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Because Jesus did not lose sight of the cross. Because if he had lost sight of the cross, you and I would not be where we are today. In the Garden of Gethsemane, that's why he went and he prayed, Father, Father. But he didn't lose sight of the cross. For the cross paved the way for us into the victory. For by reason of the cross, you and I know that God is true. But when we call on him, he answers. Not because we are righteous, but because he has made us righteous. The Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what am I saying? I am saying to you, stop looking within you. Look unto Jesus. For if we look within ourselves, we look at the failures. Okay, so I didn't do all the hours of prayer last yesterday. And oh yes, so oh, the reason I, I, God has not answered my prayers this month is because, see, Apostle has been saying that we should read these scriptures every day. I have not. Maybe that is why. That is what the enemy wants you to think. Now I'm not saying rest on your oars and then simply decide not to do and obey instructions. Apostle was teaching us last week about servanthood, wasn't he? And saying unto us that one of the things we need to do is to step up because the days are evil. We need to step up the fact that we need to move in quickly and get things done in God. However, he didn't say that to keep us in a valley of condemnation. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, there is therefore no... Romans 12... Am I correct? 8, 12, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. I'm reading from King James now, aren't I? One of the challenges some of us have is that we've memorized a number of things in King James. Old King James. For there is therefore no condemnation. It's 8 verses 1 and 2. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for through Christ the law of the spirit of life set you free from the laws of sin and death. God is not out to condemn us. We have a part and a role to play. The enemy is there to try and sow a seed of doubt. That's why he said the same to Eve, as God said. Because every time you hear this is a month of fulfillment, 
each each day you wake up and i don't know about you but if i were you on a daily basis in every month i would declare that word before i leave home the word for the month by this time in this month we should have all memorized the word for the month and i've got news for you ideally you should know by now at least the word of the month for the month of january february march april may june july august september october november let me do a quick test what was the word for january zachariah chapter okay answer it for yourself And what was February? Was it in the book of Acts? Chapter 1, verse... Okay. And what was March? We went back to Zechariah, didn't we? Chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. And in April... You see where I'm going? Because it's by ensuring that those things, that's what means that we believe it. And on a daily basis in that month, you ensure you internalize it. Because when you internalize it, 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 it reacts to whatever you hear. So if you know that in this month the word of God says, the word of God will not return to him void, but would accomplish that which he has spoken, that which he has set aside, and will prosper. It means whatever message you hear from external sources, it is met by what is internal that you've heard from the Word of God, and it will counteract any negativities and ensure that positivities are exalted. We need to take responsibility. You have a responsibility for how you think, what you sow, because the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your hearts with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Mind what you feed this mind. Look out. We feed it too much junk. Do they still do home and away? It was a trick question. I was waiting for someone to say yes. Maybe it's EastEnders. Ah, I can see someone say, God, don't let him mention my, my favorite program now. You know, it might also be much of the day. We feel our minds, we could analyze all sort of things that happened and why one thing happened or did not happen. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, inherently wrong, in spending time just sort of like knowing what's going on about you. But at times we allow those things to captivate and to take control and we begin to feed off. We let our lives be run by the things we feed in because that's why the, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. What you feed on comes out. I always say the easiest way to find out what you're feeding on, just watch and I'll ask the children, those who are young, watch your parents when they're driving and someone cuts them up in the car. Watch what comes out of the mouth. Then you know what they're feeding on. You hear some people curse and swear. It's because that's what they've been feeding on. Oh, then they, oh, so it's because, and then they start. In fact, some don't even apologize to their children as a result of that. Because whatever you listen to contaminates you. They say, what is it that corrupts good manners? 
evil communication. Is that, is that, is that what it, how it's said? We need to have confidence in God. We need to have confidence in God. We need to have confidence in God. Is that a message that um, the sermon is going too long because the battery is going flat? You need to retune this because I'm struggling a bit now. I'm hearing myself. I'll probably just drop my voice slightly. So doubt is feeling uncertain. It's a lack of conviction. It's a feeling of uncertainty. So these lepers decided to go into the camp of the enemy and God caused their situation and their circumstance to sound to terrify the enemy the camp of the enemy will be terrified because of the things that God is going to be doing in your life it depends on what we allow God to do blind Bartimaeus recognized Jesus was passing by and that's why he screamed Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me I keep reminding us that when he said, Jesus, that son of David, why did he say son of David? Because he recognized that Jesus was a son of the covenant. So he called on Jesus, son of David, son of covenant. I have a covenant with you, Father, because you are the, you are, you are, you are the Savior. The covenant name is, the, the Savior is a lineage of David. So he screamed and Jesus heard him and he said, call him. What may I, what can I do for you? He said, that I may see. In fact, before he did that, he threw off the cloak. Confidence in God. Confidence in God. Turn with me quickly to the book of Acts. Chapter 27. As we begin to round up this morning. It's Thanksgiving Sunday. We have every reason to give God praise and to thank Him. For the month of November is my month. It has been my month of fulfillment. And it continues to be my month of fulfillment. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. In Colossians, in, in Acts, I said Colossians, in Acts chapter, chapter 27, it's an account that always blows my mind as well. I mean, there's so much in the scriptures that just kind of like blows the mind in the positive way, you know, in the negative way. If you read the context of this, from round about verse 1 to round about verse 8, there was a situation where Paul was being sent off to, to Rome. And as he was being sent off, there were issues and there were, I mean, there was this centurion called, or this Julius who was kept, it was, it was being transported. Just read, read, read that brief background. And they were having problems. And in verse 9, 
Acts chapter 27, Paul said to the people, he said, Much time had been lost and selling already dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to, a sheep, to the sheep and cargo and to our own lives also. So the, Paul, Paul here was declaring and predicting that there's, go, that there's going to be a problem here. You want us to set sail, but there is a problem. And what I am saying to you you master captains and master sailors is that I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous he he didn't use any technical terms he simply said I can see that this voyage is going to be disastrous Uh, the Bible says in verse 11 but the centurion instead of listening to what Paul said followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship hey Paul we know you're a man of letters we know you're a lawyer we know you're good with words but we're talking about ship about sailing about oceans how can you talk about disaster you you don't know what you're talking about so let's listen to the experts let's listen to the pilots and the captain of the ship they have been sailors they've been i mean they've done this many many times they've got the experience so paul keep your good advice to yourself and of course in verse 13 the bible says that there was a gentle wind that began to blow and they thought they had obtained what they wanted you see gentle wind paul what disaster just we're taking you to rome go back home and read the accounts because of a truth disaster struck but that's not where I'm going I'm not talking about the fact that negative things came to pass that's not what I want us to focus on this this morning disaster struck and there was a loss of cargo and the people were terrified because the Bible says from round about verse 21 After the men had gone without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord, whose I am, and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Confidence in God. At the time, the storm was still raging. At the time, there was still darkness. At the time, there was still turmoil. At the time, there was still confusion. But Paul stood and said, last night, last night, an angel of God who I serve, do you serve the Lord? 
Do you walk with the Lord? The songwriter put it this way, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds in our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and those, with those who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you trust in God? If you do, it does mean that when there is a storm, you would have the calmness. That comes with having confidence in God. We're talking about confidence in God. I'm not saying calm and confidence is the absence of storm. We shall have storms. Christianity is not a bed of roses. And in any case, if it were a bed of roses, roses have thorns. Roses are beautiful flowers, but they have thorns. There are times of trials. There are times of challenge. We would have it. In whom do you have confidence? How do we build our confidence in God? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. I keep quoting that, but that's in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23. We need to have full assurance of faith. And the way we do that is by spending time in the Word of God. Get rid of the junk. I, I, I've shared this before. I had to. I loved reading as a teenager. In fact, I, I was a science student and uh, it was a struggle when... In those days, literature, English literature, and additional mathematics, which you call further maths, they were timed at the same time because it was inconceivable for someone who is doing literature to be doing additional mathematics and everyone doing additional mathematics to do literature. The two shall never mix. So I was forced to let go of literature because I had to do it. Because it was impossible. I, I could not be allowed to do it. But I loved literature. So the Romeo and Juliet, read, read Macbeth, works of Macbeth, Mac Twain, read works of Mac Twain, Charles Dickens. I didn't stop at that. Read the James Hadley Chase, Mills and Boone. Sidney Sheldon. Junk. I did lots of junk, and the good parts were the literature ones, the Macbeths and the likes. They, they had, they had literally, you know, they had good stuff. But I read the junk as well. And when I said Mills and Boone, a number of people laughed because that's not associated with young boys. But I did just read anything, read just to read. Stayed up all night. If I pick up a book, it needs to be open by tomorrow morning, I need to finish it. And of course, if you do that in the wrong way, guess what suffers as well? Your academics, because it was junk, 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 junk. But when I became a Christian, I needed to get rid of the junk. It was a conscious effort. Because when you allow viruses into your computer system, it malfunctions. It causes the system to malfunction. It slows it down, doesn't it? You know, to clean it out from time to time. 
When I became a Christian, I had to clean out the junk. So when I'm advising young people today, I'm advising you not to put in the junk in the first place than to try and get it out. Because once the junk is in there, it's more effort to get it out. So we had to get rid of the junk. I had to get rid of the junk by spending time switching my reading into reading the Word of God. And I remember then I just picked up the Bible and I started from the book of Genesis and I started reading. And each time I felt the urge to read, if I wasn't reading my, if I wasn't going through my academic work, it was the Bible. Nothing else. No more junk. It took a while. Because you pick up some negative languages, you pick up some negative ways of thinking, you you pick up some negative ways of looking at yourself. You needed to get rid of that. Because the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Some of us who are older know that. The younger ones don't go there. We want to save you the hassles. It doesn't pay. So when daddies and mommies are saying, don't do this, it's from experience. They know what doesn't pay. It's not because they're trying to deprive you. It's just because being there, done that, it doesn't pay. It doesn't work out. Save you the hassles so you can achieve higher, better things than we ever did or could ever do because of that thing. Because you, you spend time at the rate of 30, 60 seconds a minute. You know that, don't you? You can't do anything about it. We all spend it. How many minutes in a day? Okay, the good mathematicians should have done that very, very quickly. Sorry? How many minutes are there in a day? 60 times 24. 1440. 1440 minutes. And how about how many seconds are there? Go on. See, that's the idea. Praise the Lord. And you know the interesting thing? Every individual, when you wake up in the morning, you're given exactly the same amount of time in a day. I always say to people, invest time. Don't spend it. Invest time. Don't spend it. The most precious thing you have is your time. What you invested in, what you listen to, what you do with what you listen to matters a lot. And I am conscious of the fact that I have been spending some of your time. I hope you've been investing it. This morning I would like to invite you to please rise. We need to have confidence in God. We need to have confidence in God. And as we rise this morning, please, I don't know what it is you've taken from the things that I've been able to share in a few minutes. I forgot to mention that I don't have a wristwatch. And as a result, I did not time myself. I allowed it to flow. I hope I've not gone beyond my time. If I took longer than you had anticipated, my apologies. But I do hope that there's something I've said this morning that resonates with you. I do hope there's something that I've said this morning that you can take away and walk on. I do hope some things I've said this morning would encourage you to spend time with God and to find out for yourself what He has said concerning you. I do hope this morning that you've heard some things that would enable you to attain the fulfillment that God wants you to achieve in your life. For He's not a man that He should lie, neither is He the Son of Man that He will change His mind. He has spoken concerning you and He wants to bring good things to pass concerning you. But He needs you to cooperate with him. 
God wants you to cooperate with him. Not us now. You to cooperate with him. What is holding you back? You know it. You know what's holding you back. You know what's distracting you as an individual. You know what's keeping you down. And some of those things you need to get rid of. Some you have control over. Others, they're the people you listen to. Or the things you allow to whisper into your ears. But one thing for certain, we need to have confidence in God. God said it. Believe it. And that will settle it. Whatever circumstance you are going through this morning, things might be good, things might be looking low, things might be just average, things might be you don't even know. Doesn't matter. I want you as an individual this morning to just commit your ways into the hands of the Lord. Just speak to God this morning and ask God to give you direction, strength, to take something away that will make a meaningful progress, that will cause a meaningful progress in your life, in your walk of faith. The songwriter said, when we walk with the Lord, I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to walk with you every step of the day. I want you to lift up your voices this morning and just ask that the Lord will empower you and strengthen you. Apostle William has been teaching us and sharing with us and encouraging us to be true servants of the Lord. Ask this morning that God would empower and grace you in your walk of faith that you might have full assurance that you might have full assurance of God's salvation full assurance of faith that what he has said he would do God is not a man that he should lie. Nothing is impossible with him. Whatever circumstance you're going through, God is ever attentive to your cry. The Lord Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Have faith. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. The confidence and trust that comes with having faith in God. Cast away all spirits of doubt. You might be saying to yourself, this is the 25th day of the month of November. When will my fulfillment come? It comes today because you've changed your tact. You've changed your focus. You've changed your setting of your mind. Your mind is fixed on Jesus. Others don't dictate the way you think. You dictate the way you think by the things you feed on. For our God is an awesome God. In him there is no variableness, neither is there a shadow of turning. Let us enter into God's most holy place by the blood of Jesus this morning. It's the new and living way that Jesus opened for us by reason of the cross. He opened up the road to us when he said it is finished. Let us draw near this morning to God with a full assurance of faith. Having our hearts, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience. You have no reason to feel guilty this morning. Because Jesus has made you clean. And having our bodies washed with water, pure water. This morning, hold on. Hold on to the faith that you profess. Hold on unswavering to it. For God said it. For he who promised, he is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. 
The songwriter says he will not let you down. He's never weary. He will never let you down. So do not throw away your confidence. For it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you would obtain what he has promised. For in a little while, he who is coming will not delay. For in a little while, he who is coming will not delay. And the righteous will live by faith. Lord, we give you praise and we thank you this morning. We thank you today, our Lord and our God. Thank you, Lord God, for we can have confidence in you. You are our strength. You are our strength. You are our strength.